Welcome in to another edition of the Tabby the Keg Podcast, episode, episode. 501. We're back. Mitch on the other side of Zoom. Charlie here with you. Got a great show today. We're previewing the Milwaukee Brewer season. Happy opening day to everybody. Uh, we're also going to talk about the Bucks weekend, big games against the Celtics, as well as the Sixers. Who do you want to see in the playoffs between those two teams? And if we got a little more time, well, it's those are two very in-depth conversations. We might talk a little, if anything changed, after the comments made by Brian Gunkust and Matt LaFleur, my co-pilot, no birth this time, bitch. What's up? Back in the saddle. How we living? Yep. All's back to normal uh, after a big episode 500 over the weekend and to start your week. So uh, hopefully people enjoyed it and it was fun to fun to go back a little bit down memory lane and you know, say nice things about each other and <laughs> for once. And, you know, uh, yeah, it was just good. So kind of back back to normal with this. Back, back so, at it, man. Back at but it. But it's obviously a, a huge week. Yeah. No, it's a it's a really big week. Uh, you know, it's been it's been kind of a fun sports calendar time. It's always really good this time of year, right? You get the tournament. They get the final four, which is this weekend. And then next week you have the Masters. Then you have baseball starting. NBA will be finishing up also next week. So you'll have the NBA playoffs then the following Saturday after that. So it's kind of like just nothing but bangers for a little while. And, yeah, it doesn't calm down a little bit, sure. But if the NBA playoffs are good, which I think a lot of people expect to be, it's going to be it's going to be awesome for a long time here, not only in the city of Milwaukee, but just, just overall. Vibes will be high. Well, and it's been – a crazy month already with March. I mean, right. obviously with the tournament, you know, Marquette coming up short, but you know, there are a couple, a couple big good, deal. good, a yeah. uh, couple good game, big games in there. And um, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's April's kind of just as good. Right. Um, it, it's more NBA centric, but that's where I live. So right. And, I'm okay and, with you, it. Had, and you had Wisconsin make, you know, run, to to the uh, NIT semifinals probably should have won yesterday, but it's you know it's one of those things where Wisconsin fans were also you know wrapped in college basketball until the end of March. And so my question for you to kind of kick us off about the Brewers is, do you feel like the Brewers kind of got forgotten just in general in terms of the city, in terms of the state, or do you think like there is a palpable buzz heading into the regular season starting today? Well, I definitely think they flew under the radar for, I don't know, the last, I mean, since the season ended last year, I think yeah. that it's been, it's certainly been on the back burner. Um, but I think there's, there's buzz now, finally, like the last week or so. Um, it's been, I think people are excited. And for me, I mentioned it on episode 500, like, yeah, kind of the last week, um, certainly this week it's, you know, I, I'm aware of the fact that, you know, it's I think we texted each other last week. I don't I don't know if it was Tuesday or Wednesday last week and we were talking about having to do our pod this week. And I was like, man, it doesn't feel like the season starts. And I think that that might have been kind of the biggest eye opener for me where it was like, Yeah, wow, we're we're doing this. And um then I started watching some of the brewers good YouTube videos and content with their, uh, with the young guys that they're, that they're pushing and we, we could potentially discuss why they've done that. Uh, but I think it was a good idea. I think, I think that was a good idea because people have been so down on the team. Um, and what better way to bring people back in and then, then kind of get, you know, pulling back the curtain for the, for the young guys. And then Bryce Terang makes the team, which, you know, he was probably the most likely, out of out of those five, um, four or five guys they've been highlighting, I guess. Um and that was cool to see. And that was, you know, you got to see an inside look, him FaceTiming his parents and, you know, his friends and family and stuff like that. That was that was pretty sweet. And sure. yeah, that 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 really, really got me got me going. And I can't be the only one. No, and I, I think you're right. I think that's those are the type of things that can kind of get the juices flowing. And I I feel like they've done a pretty good job into trying to bring the fans back to try to bring the, you know, excitement back. Rick Schlesinger talked about this week. They might look at extending the beer times uh, past the seventh inning, just given the fact the games are a lot shorter and there's, wow. you know, less downtime and Ooh. 
I don't, I don't know about that one, but um, <laughs> well, I mean, the reason you don't do that is because of drinking and driving, right? I mean, that's what I always thought. And... It was one. It was one of the reasons for sure, but I think it's a timing thing, right? And you know, I I do. I'm sure that they're probably looking at that and his risk. His risk team, his lawyers are are investigating. You know, does that really make sense? Does that not? Uh, but even though, even just teasing it, even just saying we're thinking about it, maybe they don't do it this year. Maybe it's something they look at the time of games and then they're like, all right, yeah, our beer, beer sales are down. I think they're worried. Are they going to lose money on selling beer? You know, I I, yeah. I would imagine that driving drunk is a huge part of it, but they might lose money on selling beer if they don't have well, an extra hour to, to sell. And to that point, do they – then start kicking people into the game earlier than they have in the past. That that to me would be a, the probably the most likely or yes. the first move they make would be, you know, because um, I was we were just I was talking about tailgating with uh, our friend Tiz over the weekend, and we were kind of trying to think about like how it always used to be the third inning was when they right. started to kick people in, right? So if right. you were way in the back wave, you might make it till the fifth or sixth inning until you actually had to walk in and, and sit there bored out of your mind and half drunk or fully drunk. Uh, and maybe they, as soon as the game starts, they start kicking people in. Maybe it's, you know, I can't imagine it'd be much earlier than that, but um, yeah, um, that'd probably be, you know, then they wouldn't lose money on right on beer sales as much. And, and, um, but that, that it, that'll be an interesting factor. Uh, at American Family Field, the shorter game times. Um, oh, that's yeah. something that, like, I haven't I haven't watched a ton of spring training games, so I don't really know um, the pace. But it seems like everyone's looking at it in a positive light, and you know, I've been big on that. Where it's like, why don't you just? I mean, pitchers should always work faster. It always seems to behoove the pitchers, and for the most part, I haven't really caught any you know, hitters talking shit about it or anything online or anything saying we don't like this and shit. If John Smoltz likes it, then I mean, God, <laughs> he's kind of the gatekeeper, isn't he? So, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Craig council made a comment to the media yesterday saying like now, like it's the learning experience and we really, we, we have to, we have to make sure that we're prepared for it and that we're, these games matter now. So like mistakes kind of can't happen. Like I think the twins, had a strikeout nullified because a guy had his like back heels in the grass. That's a violation. You can't have your heels in the grass. And that nullified a strikeout for the Minnesota Twins. Like that, there are going to be games where teams lose and it's going to be a big deal. It's going to make first take and get up and they're finally going to talk about baseball because that's going to be a catchy, splashy headline. But in, in the grand scheme of things, it might not matter. It might be the fucking Diamondbacks and the Orioles and both teams are you know, 500 and the game didn't really, didn't really mean much, but you had all spring training. Like I just, I'm not going to have a ton of sympathy. And if the Brewers, if it has the Brewers, I'll, I'll say the same thing. I'll be annoyed. I think I just want it to be consistent across umpires that don't want some umpires to follow it and some umpires to, to not follow it because that's when you get into the real problems. Yeah. I mean, it's, you're right. It's going to happen at some point. And I'd be curious to see, I just hope they, they stick with it, right? I mean, yes. you see in, in other sports, uh, NBA is notorious for enforcing <laughs> yeah, rules for the saying. first for the first two months, and then, and then you forgot that they even enforced it by, by this time of the season. Now, the NFL is notorious for, I would say, inconsistencies in the officiating and uh, an overemphasis uh, as, as things happen and narratives surrounding um, different things will will – seem to affect the officiating of games. Um, you know, the Tua stuff this year was, you know, really caused for a few weeks, the overprotection of quarterbacks. And um, then it kind of goes away, then it comes back. And, you know, I'm just curious to see if baseball, how that goes. Like if I would think that if, if they enforce it and everybody's okay with it and it, it lasts all season, then I mean, you know, it, there, yeah. there shouldn't be an issue. And it's I, not like they, I wouldn't expect them to adjust it in the postseason then either. I, I think you're going to get teams who try to cheat it, right? With the shift rules, they're talking about two outfielders potentially. Hmm. Um, 
there are some. I can see the Cardinals. Things. I can see the Cardinals pulling some bullshit. I can see the Brewers doing it. I mean, yeah, I joked about that. A part of my take, like I, the Brewers right now are really only played with two outfielders. Brian Anderson out in right field does not exactly give me a ton of confidence. Uh, I'll just say yeah. that from a defensive perspective, I get, and we could get into it a little bit on the offense here in a second, but like. I, I think there are going to be a lot of teams trying to work around these rules and yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. It's going to be annoying maybe a little bit we might maybe a brewer loss happens because of it. But I think we just have to know like it's there in the long run and they've had time. They should be working with their coaches. I just don't really, I don't really buy into any, like I don't, I'm not going to feel bad for the players at this point. And I don't know if that makes me an anti 2023 fan. Cause I feel like you always have to be player first, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm kind of not going to excuse it. Yeah. Right. So uh, before we get going on like the team and the expectations, do you feel like the Brewers should be closer to the Cardinals when it comes to the favorites in the, in the NL central? Or do you feel like it's the Cardinals and then there's a little bit of a gap between the Cardinals and the Brewers? Um, it's tough. I mean, I think the Cardinals have a lot more talent on paper. I, you know, I mean, I don't, there's probably a gap. I just, I, I guess it depends on like what Jordan Walker becomes, you know, if he, right. if he, if he bursts on the scene, like a lot of people think and becomes a rookie of the year favorite or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to be one more guy um, that, you know, you're going to have to deal with. Uh, I don't really know where it is. He just going to be a DH or something. He must be, yeah, because uh, he's a he's a, he's a corner and yeah, more of a third baseman. I believe he plays some first too. Um, obviously, those are their linchpins of their team. So right. it's not like it's going to be a situation. I um, I would probably have the Cardinals ahead of the Brewers pretty safely, but uh, okay. you know, we'll see. The Brewers have better pitching. Yeah, I think the Cardinals lineup is is unbelievable. Um, but so I don't know. I just, I, I think with the lineup, I just wonder, is there, is there a regression monster potentially for Arenado and Goldschmidt who had MVP like years? Do we really expect them to have MVP years again? Right. I understand you add Wilson Contreras. That's a big ad. You add Jordan Walker. That's a big ad. Maybe the sum of all parts will take care of that regression, but I, that pitching staff is it's just it doesn't seem like they're they've really ever got that frontline guy out of their collection of young talent. Jack Flaherty can never stay healthy. Miles Nicholas, it's like it comes and goes for him. Uh Steven Matz had a really good spring this year, apparently, but he he was trash last year. Uh so it's like they have the guys. It's just a question of are they are they actually gonna do it? I think people have kind of forgotten a little bit about how good this Brewers pitching staff can be. And I think that's kind of lost, lost a little bit. So I, I agree that I would say the Cardinals are slightly better. I would only go slightly. I wouldn't say the gap's that large. I'd say if the Brewer, if things work out for the Brewers, Yelich kind of revives himself a little bit. The bullpen's not as scary as I think they are. I think the gap's actually kind of close. Hmm. I just think with the Brewers, there are maybe a few more certainties in the pitching staff. I mean, obviously, Corbin yeah. Burns is. Pretty, pretty, pretty widely regarded as the best pitcher in baseball right now. Um, you feel pretty good about Brandon Woodruff. You feel pretty good about Devin Williams. Um, you know, I think we could probably, Freddie, probably pretty big, big year for Freddie Peralta. Um, you know, he had the one good season and then battled some stuff last year. And um, last year was kind of a disappointing. Here, so I guess we're going to find out what what he really is. And otherwise, I don't know. I don't think I trust any of them. <laughs> <laughs> the pitching, I mean, Eric Lauer. What are you getting from him? Uh, you know, yeah. Okay, I mean, let's you know, let's he... talk. Yeah, we can talk. We can start with some pitching. Like, yeah, Eric Lauer is Eric Lauer is a little bit suspect. I agree that there's not a lot there that like tells you, hey, yeah, Eric Lauer. Everything that kind of happened last year is not going to rear its ugly head again. There hasn't really been that sign that, oh yeah, Eric Lauer has completely fixed everything and it's, it's all good again. I don't, I don't really see that to be, to be the case. And yeah, I would agree that Eric Lauer, I'm a little, 
I'm a little hesitant to add. Well, he was, he was a huge, like Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, Oh yeah. You know, he was good for the first two months, was it? And then, you know, damn near lost his spot in the, in the rotation. So by the end of it. So I, I don't know. And obviously Adrian Hauser, who knows? Yep. Begin, he'll begin, begin the year on the bullpen. Uh, or on that bullpen, well, in the bullpen, but at beginning of the year on the IL, right? Uh, with an injury, so he's going to be down for the next three weeks, I believe. So yeah, you don't have him. Uh, Jansen Junk really wasn't that good in spring training. He's in AAA, so you won't have him as a as a potential option. Jason Alexander has had an injury, so he's he's down for some time. Aaron Ashby, you don't get. So yeah, that back end could be. Could be slightly shaky. Uh, there's definitely a potential that 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 back end is a little bit rough, but I still I still think if you have those three pitchers and you just might need a little more offense when Eric Clower and Wade Miley is pitching, I don't think that's like cause for concern. And if you're good and you're you know in the playoff hunt come shit July, like go out and get somebody else and really bolster bullsat pitching or maybe Aaron Ashby's back by then and it's almost like getting a guy at the deadline. Yeah. Well, I was gonna make a smart comment, but I, I think no, we'll go ahead. We'll, go we'll, ahead. We'll try to we'll try to keep this okay. I'll no, say or you ahead. could or you or you could trade your all star closer when you're when you're in the playoff hunt at I mean, the trade deadline. I mean Mitch, we've we've been over this, but for the umpteenth time, it was a it's a good good idea ultimately for the Brewers to trade trade Josh Hader. They were not getting Josh Hader on the team. Paying for closers is a bad idea by a small market. The execution was dumb. It killed team chemistry. I'm man enough to admit that now. I I disregarded the Brewers' feelings when we argued about it last July and August, and I didn't take that into account. I just felt like the idea was good in principle. It already has netted you William Contreras. Like there, there are good things about that deal. I think the I think the part of when when it happened was bad. Hater should have either been dealt before the season or after the season, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And they they did a bad job there. And that I don't know if that's David Stearns with one foot out the door. I don't know if that's if that is just David Stearns being a robot. And the Brewers were like, we can't kind of keep having this happen because you've kind of killed our team chemistry. I I have I have no idea. Um, I think. The last thing I'll say on the to move it to back to Burns, if the Brewers are, you know, they take a step back, they're they're a team that's 10, 10, 11 games under 500. I think you have to explore a trade for Corbin Burns. You have mm-hmm. to have that conversation because I think the Burns deal will happen this coming winter because there, there's no point in holding on to Corbin Burns unless you really feel like this is your window. We're going to rebuild after it. I guess let me kind of pose you back with a question. Would you rather have, if the Brewers, let's say, have, let's say they win 95 games this year, they win the NL Central, they lose it either the NLDS or NLCS, would you want to trade Burns this offseason or would you want to make one more run at it and just understand kind of like Prince Fielder, he's gone after next season. Let's try to see if we can win a World Series. I, I mean that that's a pretty tough uh, question yeah, I mean, in, in, in a in a in a vacuum. I mean, it's based. I, I don't know. You're asking me to be optimistic or or pessimistic. I mean, essentially, and, and I don't know. I've always kind of leaned the way of like, well, I look at what like Tampa Tampa Bay always does. Right. They always trade their guys. They always right. trade them. Yep. And they're always competitive. Yeah, they've been playoffs somehow. the last the last five years. Uh, they've and, been playoffs. And to me, I just don't see Corbin Burns being affordable for a small market team. Um, to me, it's like, what's the sense in having one pitcher making forty million a year? If the rest of your team sucks. I mean, yeah. or, or doesn't suck, but is but is just is just it, it's it's pointless. I, I don't know. I mean you're kind of, then you're, then you're, you're stuck in the middle. I mean, you know, or, I mean, or you trade them and it could backfire. Yes. I mean, you get, a, you get a shitty return or, um, you know, are unable to develop people. Then it's, then it's hard. I mean, 
but I would probably lean to, to, you know, just trade him in the off season, even if it is a, a largely successful season. Now, again, rarely things in sports work out perfectly. I mean, we're seeing that with the Rogers situation, but um, you know, unless the Brewer, if the Brewers won the world series this year, then I think, you know, you probably trade him for sure. <laughs> cause you, you, cause you, you got there. I mean, that, that sounds weird, but um, it's just, it, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird discussion. I mean, it would be, I think people would lose their minds, yeah. but um, I think ultimately the right move would probably be, be to just trade him. It'd be Marlins ask. I mean, it's a, definitely a discussion it for a discussion for another time. And if we hopefully will not have that discussion. The other thing to point out with the Brewers starting pitching just before we move on to other things, they do Robert Gasser, the guy in the hater train already in AAA. I mean, there's a chance you could see Robert Gasser this year, left-hander. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's it's not he's not too far away, right? They have a couple guys, Ethan Small, another lefty. Now, Ethan Small has not, I think, leveled up the way that I think a lot of us hope that Ethan Small would. So maybe at some point he finds it. He ha- he's still kind of looking for it a little bit. Maybe he needs to be a reliever. But there are guys in that in that AAA. It's not barren. Let's just put it that way. If you know the back end does struggle, there are guys available, which I don't know if we've been able to say all the last few seasons. Yeah, I mean, the, clearly the the farm system is better than what it was. I don't know, even two years ago, probably. Oh yeah, 100%. Um, with with Jackson Trio coming coming essentially out of nowhere and looking like a legitimate stud. That's mm-hmm. probably still at least a year away. Probably um, unless, but, unless he goes crazy this, this, summer, this year. And then, and maybe the Brewers aren't playing that well. And you're just like, we need to sell some tickets yeah. and let's just see what happens. Yeah. And again, as we kind of touched on before, I mean, all the, all the uh, other hitters, you know, um, Sal Freelix, Joey Weimer, um, those guys are, are coming soon. I mean, you're going to probably going to see all those guys at some point this year. I would, yep. I would think unless, unless you're uh, Owen Millers and uh, yeah, Brian Anderson, those guys are lighting up, lighting the world on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then you might not, but um, that'll be, I mean, that'll be exciting. I mean, that's, that's what's kind of gotten me a little bit, you know, juiced up is okay. You've got, you got a good pitching staff and now you've got these, you, you should see, an influx and an infusion of, of young, young pop. I mean, Joey Weimer's yeah. got, got tons of power. Oh, and, yeah. um, you know, free more of a contact guy, which is a, a lost art in baseball these days, but who knows yeah. with the, with the new rules and stuff. And um, yeah, we'll see what Terang does. Yeah. And I mean, to transition to the offense. Yeah. I, I think really the reason why Weaver and Freelick went down is because Owen Miller's job is a part-time job right now. Craig Council mm-hmm. said it as much. I he's like, we need them taking at bats and staying fresh. And I think that if Brian Anderson struggles or if Owen Miller just is not the guy or gets hurt, they're like, we gotta we gotta bring him up. Also, too, I think Tyro Taylor is gonna be back sooner rather than later. So yeah. you add that to your offense, and Tyrone will probably be the either the everyday center fielder or the everyday right fielder. And then that would kick Brian Anderson into more of a bench role, utility role, which is probably what Anderson and Miller probably should have been all along. Right. I think this is just the stock yeah. gap. And so that was also probably the reason why, but I agree. Those guys are chopping at the bit. They're ready. As Yelich also said, I think last week when they asked him if he wanted about the team, he's like, yeah, of course, but it's the hardest sport to break into. And so like, I'm sure Yelich has reached out and, as the leader as he is and told these guys like, Hey, don't get the surge. And yeah, Luke Voigt said it today. Like, I think this offense is going to rake. Um, and yeah, that's a uh, guy being confident, but you always like to hear that, I guess, as a fan, right. That everybody's, yeah. you know, you're already starting to feel a little like confident that you're seeing it on the day to day. And you're like, all right, let's fucking go here. And they, they do have on paper, a pretty impressive offense that, should be able to produce runs and it should not be this every game. It's, you know, one or two runs 
for the Brewers. I will caveat that starting the season in cold Chicago is not mm-hmm. ideal for offenses. So everybody <laughs> just calm the fuck down if the Brewers don't score a lot this weekend. Well, was that last season the Brewers got swept in Chicago early in the year? Yeah. Uh, did they get swept? No, they won the Sunday game, but they lost the okay. first two games. Woodruff and Birds were both terrible. Yes, that's right. So that was the beginning of last year. I don't know. Baseball seasons are so long that it's hard yeah, to remember. I know. Whether, it, you know, what – and obviously life's been so weird the last couple of years. It's hard to remember right. what year was what year. But, um, yeah, I mean, to me, like Owen Miller is nothing more than Jace Peterson – you know, oh yeah, yeah. It's Spider-Man shout out to Chase, Chase Peterson, Chase. but God, I couldn't watch another game with him on the Brewers. I just no, it it, it had run its course, run its course. There's there's a lot of right-handed bats uh, on this on this opening day 25 man. Yeah. Um, outside of Yelich and Winker, I guess Gary Mitchell too. Uh, Trang's a, a lefty. Rowdy's a lefty. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty. Do you do you think Terang starts opening day somehow? Yeah. I do. do. I, I think Anderson's going to be the right fielder, and I think Terang's going to play second. Um, unless they're who, facing – Who's 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 opening day for the Cubs? Who's pitching? Stroman. Okay, so – Who's always a cocksucker against the the Brewers, by the way. Uh, he always pitches So that well. would – if if history is any is any uh, indication, do you really think Council's going – he's going to load up on lefties? So it probably will be Terang. Yep. Um but yeah, I don't know. Because yeah, I would think I would think Urias is going to play, and yep. obviously Willie. Yep. Yeah, Urias will be your third baseman. Anderson will be your right fielder, which will be an experience at Wrigley in the wind. Um, Winker of DH. Contreras will be at catcher. I'll probably get a joke off that. Hey, look, Contreras is behind the plate at Wrigley on opening mm. day. Oh wait, yeah, so, that's that's too easy. Did you see his dog shit cleats? By the way. Just real quick, not to William sidebar Contreras? too much. No, not no. Uh, Wilson. Oh no, I did not. They're like these Ronald McDonald looking ass cleats that say "Respect to Four Friadier Molina" on it. Yeah. What a cocksucker, dude! Like, that's just such a like weird. I mean, oh. they so Yachty's done right finally. Yes. yes, they'll and... probably do do five parades for Yachty. Maybe a bobblehead. Maybe. A oh. gold plate, a gold plate catcher's uh, thing for him throughout the year. Like definitely yachty giveaways throughout the year. But yes, he is. And now you've replaced him. Re- you've replaced him with, I mean, probably a top five catcher. Yeah. But but he, I mean, he played for the Cubs for. I mean, that just has to be a weird, weird thing for Cardinals fans. That's going to be totally. I mean, especially with with that, uh, uh, the. Political views, let's just say, of of, uh, <laughs> of our friends in, in Missouri. I feel like that's going to be just an interesting, you know. It, it, if you don't follow baseball's best fans, and if you know, you know, uh, it, it's, it's going like, to be interesting for a while. Bitch, it's like the uh, it's like the scene in Major League Two with Jack Parkman. It's like you know he hits the home run and Harry Doyle over the, you know hand over the mic. I still think he's a prick. Like that's how <laughs> that's gonna be Cardinals fans for at least two two months with Contreras. Well, I just like Contreras is 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 not necessarily the epitome of the Cardinal way. No, so, uh, but that's Yachty what I'm wasn't either. That was the frustrating thing. Well, but, Yachty was pretty fucking serious though. No, he was, and well, and I I look forward to BA and Rock sharing their Yachty Renaissance stories. Um, when BA does what his six Brewer games this season, I love BA. He's a busy guy. Um, I do, I do love BA. I'm not that that wasn't BB. He's just hey, after like June first, he's at every game basically. Yeah, he is. He is. You're right. And then Rock after, takes yeah. like two weeks off at a crack. Yeah, yeah. Rock needs to go fishing. Needs to you know crack a little stick. I I get it. Uh, but he's anyways. like, hey, he's like, hey guys, if you motherfuckers want to give BA all this time to <laughs> lollygag, call him, oh yeah, call him Chicago Bulls playoff games, then I'm when he comes back, I'm getting I'm getting yeah. my four weeks of vacation. <laughs> yeah. So, um, is there anything in the offense that worries you just to bring it back? Like, is there anything that scares you with this offense where you're like, ah, this could, this could go sideways or I'm not, I'm not really, not really feeling this or anything like that. Um, I feel pretty good about Yelich. 
Um, yep. you know, I think he's got a, a new newfound role. I think if you're not adjusted to, to what he's going to provide at this point. And like, I think the power, if, if you get North of 20 home runs, I think that's, that's gravy at yep. this point until I, until I see otherwise. Um, but I feel like as a leadoff hitter and his ability to make contact, he is, you know, that's, that was, I don't want to call it a brilliant move by Craig council. That's a little extreme, but just, just, just to try something different and, and, and see if you could give him a little bit of a different, yep. I guess, look, or maybe the way he's pitched is different. If he's a leadoff hitter, yeah. those types of things, uh, feel like that, that largely worked out. Um, mm-hmm. So as far as Yelich, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good there. I don't, I mean, you can nitpick uh, totally a few That's, of these guys. I, I mean, totally, like, what is, what is Jesse Winker? I, I, I guess would be my, one of my yeah. favorite questions. Uh, is he, is he bouncing is he, back from his injury that injury filled season last year? Like, yeah. He and it sounds he had, like he had, he had some operations in the off season. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, not exactly, not, not exactly the fuzziest dude in the locker room, a little prickly. Um, so it's like, is that going to vibe with like the Willie and Urias sort of just fun, loving shit, or is that actually going to be a good balance? I don't know. Yeah. Um, um, I could see, I could see Brewers fans. This isn't really going sideways, but I could see Brewers fans getting annoyed that Garrett Mitchell isn't near the top of the order. If he starts really stealing bases, like, I, yeah. I think the Brewers are going to really take advantage of the pickoff rules, especially early with Garrett Mitchell, whenever he gets on base. So I just wonder, is that, are they, is there going to be some frustration? Like, Oh, he should be batting second. He's stealing all these bases, you know, old school baseball type shit. And it's like, no, having a Davis hit behind Yelich is probably the better idea. But I just wonder if that was, those discussions would start happening. Well, and that'd be fantastic if you would get, um, a ton of power from Yelich or, you know, something close to what he was. Right. And can actually drop him down the order a little bit. Yeah. And, and be more of a run producer. And then maybe you think about having Garrett Mitchell on lead off. Yeah. But, um, no, I mean, Garrett Mitchell's probably going to be hitting like seventh. I yeah. think. Yep. Somewhere in there. Um, I mean, if I had to, I don't know if you want to guess the lineup. Sure. Let's do it. Do that. And, and it's, it. it's tough with, with, with the platoons and, and everything, but I would go, Probably Yelich, Adamas second. Yep. Uh, and then Randy. Rowdy. Yeah, big Rowdy. Randy's, big, big Randy, Randy's. Rowdy, Telez. Yep. Uh, third. Cleanup is probably Contreras. Yeah, I think Wild Bill gets the uh, gets the the fourth spot there. And you go Wink, Winker five. Winker five probably hitting against righties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think those top four guys are generally going to be, but now we got Luke Voigt in the mix. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet they... Luke Voigt. I bet Luke Voigt takes Winker when Winker when it's lefties. I bet that's where Luke Voigt slides in, and then they move him up, move Teles down, and then Urias uh, six probably. Urias six. Yeah, probably him over Anderson, and then Mitchell seventh and. It, you could also put Mitchell ninth and Terang seventh, and then you kind of have like your pseudo leadoff guy. In well, the, Mitchell in the actually spot. Mitchell probably would make more sense at nine, right? Unless he unless he you know unlocks the power, right? A little yeah, bit. Yeah, I um, actually yeah I kind of like him at nine more so than Terang because then you have a guy who could steal get on base for Yelich and you're just running hit runs all fucking day. Yeah, I, I guess I don't really know too much the profile of Terang. I mean he's. I didn't watch a ton of Nashville Sounds games. Um, no, you were dialed in on on uh, on on Sounds games. I think he's a pretty good contact hitter. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a profile here for well, you. He's kind of a smaller dude, so I don't yeah. know if I would expect um, tons of home run. Thirteen homers last year in Nashville. Uh, Fourteen the year before. Thirty four. No, excuse me. He had thirty four stolen bases last season. So I mean, you're gonna get some speed yeah. on the base pads. Uh, typically does a nice job working within the strike zone by limiting his chases, posting above average walk right weight walk rates that continued in 2022. It was noteworthy that he traded some strikeouts for, for power. Some of that could just physical maturation, things like that. Uh, doesn't project to, 
for average power, but at least there's increasing evidence that double digit home runs are possible. Yeah. Yeah. And 13 uh, and 78 with 65 walks yeah. last year did strike out 118 times in 131 games. Eh. Yeah. I mean, less than one per game yeah. is okay. Um, but yeah, no, no, offensive numbers are, are pretty good overall. I think he's a, he's a pretty good glove. Um, yeah, we'll see. You know, obviously, when he's going, I'm guessing he'll be playing the majority of the time at second. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how familiar he is with it, but uh, why not? Yeah, I mean, Colton Long. One of the kind of sneaky things about last year was Colton Long was pretty shitty second baseman last last season. Yeah, he was. They talk about his Gold Gloves, but he was terrible. Um, and I think second base gets a lot easier with the shift band and things like that. You just have to play your position. You don't have to be rotating and doing all this other stuff. So I think that helps really quickly because we've talked a lot about the Brewers. Bullpen-wise, I frankly, this is my one thing I'm worried the most about. I Devin Williams great, but after that, yeah, man, it is a crapshoot. I don't feel good. I, I feel kind of good about Strzelecki. I think there's something there, but that's it. And and then it's like, Colby Milner is a prime like regression candidate. I don't know what you're getting with you know, Gus Varlin, the rule five guy, are you actually going to see him or are the Brewers just going to hide him and only pitch him when they're up nine two or down nine two? Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you have any bullpen thoughts before we move on to the Bucks. I, I think I kind of gave him earlier. Just ton. There's just, it's, it's like any bullpen, you know, it's, a, it could go any direction with right. any of these guys. But I just feel like since there was what feels like a ton of turnover from, I mean, Gone are the mainstays of obviously Hayter, and we're not going to go down the. But Brent Suter was there for yep a couple of years too long. Brad Boxberger and... was there for a year too long. Um, uh, so yeah, it's you're right. It's a brand new bullpen, so it's there's a little bit of an unpredictable nature to it. You kind of hope that the Brewers could get their sea legs under them, win a couple like six two games, seven five seven four or something like that, where it's a little less the bullpen, but you know, it'll be like three to two tomorrow and it'll be, you know, grind it out and figure it out. Yeah, for sure. So we'll have to see. Well, I'm excited. Official, how many wins for the Brewers and do they make the playoffs? I'll go 88 wins and yes, but probably wild card. All right. I will say 93 and they win the division for the Cardinals in the last week of the season. They, it's a, it's an awesome race. We're sweating it out, but the wow. Brewers, Brewers end up winning the division. And okay. I'll, I'll also add an opinion. I wouldn't be surprised if that's missed the playoffs. Wow. That's my like, I don't know. There's some things that I look, I'm looking at and I've, I've kind of started to dig in a little bit and, I just feel like it's everything's like it's supposed to be like it's like EPL, right? Like it, it's the best teams, the ones that spend the most money, they are the ones that are going to get there. And it's like, are we sure? Like, are we sure? Like the Indians are now the Guardians have a really good roster. Like, I mean, I know Trisha McKenzie's now out for like eight weeks, but they got they got dudes. Like they they're they're kind of impressive. I like the Diamondbacks, weirdly. I think everybody kind of likes the Diamondbacks. I think they are the MLB sexy team. I don't think I'm alone on that take. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Could just We'll just see. The Diamondbacks are so young. There's no way. I know. Yeah. They might be – they're probably a year away from a year away, right? So, yeah. But it's a nice place to have a bunch of young talent because it's a, it's a good free agent destination with limited taxes and – and the fact that a lot of people live there already. Yeah, everybody everybody lives in Arizona, right. pretty much. Yeah, yeah, it's bitch of the beast. But you know, I, I, again, people tell me that this that stuff doesn't matter when when free agency happens. It's you know, but that's okay. Another story for another time. Moving on to uh, the uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks have a big week in front of them. They took care of business. Be the Indiana Pacers tonight. Uh, it was a wild wild one. Hope you had the over. What did it finish at, Mitch? Was it 140... 149, I think, to like 136, I think was the oh, final. Oh, push, push the spread. Uh, yeah, that would that is your that is your final uh, from Milwaukee, um, or from Indiana, excuse me. And now the Bucks play a fifth game in five nights at home against the Boston Celtics this evening. 
play Philadelphia 76ers on Sunday, also at the Pfizer Forum, likely the forum to be rocking both nights. And I'll ask you a simple question, Mitch. Who would you rather face in the playoffs, the Boston Celtics or the Philadelphia 76ers? That's like asking me how I want to, I mean, would I rather do you want, do you want die by in- drowning or, or die in a burning house? Do you want needles in your <laughs> cock or do you want it to be just shut, just cut off right away? Like, you know, is that, is that what you want? Yeah. I was, you know, I was thinking obviously after we, um, you pitched the topic, if you will. Uh, yep. I, I honestly, it's hard. I can't believe it, but I think I'd say Boston. I'd rather see Boston. Okay. Um, and I, I already have your argument for Philly. Um, but I like MB just scares me mm-hmm. having to deal with that motherfucker. It's it's he's probably like the next closest thing to Giannis mm-hmm. in terms of like just physically dominating. And um but he also has the flopping element. And that is so and not that the Celtics don't flop and are the most dramatic team in the history of sports, but um I don't know. It, just Embiid really scares me. And I think they have shooting around him. Um, you know, you have D'Anthony Melton's been good for them. Harden's been kind of back to, right. I mean, this is, this has largely been what you'd expect from Harden at this point. You know, Harden's got a few years under his belt. You're not getting an MVP player, but he probably should have been an all-star this year and wasn't. And um, it looks like he's back tonight. And um, as we tape this Wednesday night, so he's, I guess, healthy again. And yep. yeah, now, I mean, of course, you have the playoff demons there. And if you want to take take the baton here, yeah, uh, I'll let you. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think with Philly, it's just you you when you say you want to play them, it's because. It's because of the intangibles. It's because of they haven't been in this position before. You assume that you'll play them in the in the Eastern Conference Finals, and they would already have beat Boston. They've already been through a war. Now you can make that case for Boston too. Now they've already dealt with Philadelphia, um, and I do think I do wonder like would they just be complacent with the Eastern Conference Final and be like, all right, we we checked the box here. And might the Bucks be able to kind of overwhelm them a little bit? And I, Doc Rivers has not shown himself as a good playoff coach. He's, you know, the Mike McCarthy of the NBA, uh, where he's had one title and that's all he's resting his morals on. And I just, I, I don't know if all the Sixers guys are going to show up night in, night out. I agree with you. It's going to be a bitch to play Embiid for seven games. But I do wonder, you know, can you figure out ways around that? Can you use guys like Brooke Lopez, Myers Leonard to sort of quell some of that and just, you know, keep throwing bodies at him that aren't Giannis Antetokounmpo? And and maybe that does that does work out. I think Giannis loves playing against the bead. I think it motivates him to do well against the bead. I think there would mm-hmm. be a lot of internal drive for Giannis to maybe embarrass a bead. And I think, yeah, I think there's more. I think the cool thing about the Bucs and maybe why I feel so good about coming up, even if it is Boston or Philly, is the Bucs have this weird combination of they're motivated against either team, right? You can provide motivation angles for both teams, Boston a little more than Philly. And then on top of that, I said this on the podcast, I think Tuesday night, like they, they have the least amount of pressure out of the three. So you combine that where you're motivated and you're kind of playing loose. Like, man, that's a really good spot to be in. Yeah, that's that's an interesting thought. I guess I hadn't quite put that together at this point. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, sitting pretty. We also, I mean, we have a very deep roster and a lot of options. You know, as Jack Harlow, yes. or your boy said, I got options. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, I I don't even. It would be really hard to pick your favorite eight-man rotation, I think, for the Bucks right now. Right. Um, it'd be really tough to rule out any of, like, the top 11 guys. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't think Wes Matthews plays very much um, in the playoffs. I, I feel like if that happens that you're in, you're probably in yeah, really grabbing um, for stuff. Unless you're facing a team, you know, I think you could put Wes in against Boston just to frustrate Tatum and just to yeah. kind of get, get under Tatum's skin for a little bit. If you, were to okay fa- if you were to face the Clippers in the finals, you know, putting him on Paul George or Kawhi Leonard for a little bit. Same same concept, same idea. Um, but yeah, I mean, I someone pointed out like Bud had Thanasis and Jeff Teague played at the same time in, in the in the finals against Phoenix in game three. Like Bud is a wild man. And maybe that scares people. I, I agree it's a little it's a little intimidating just knowing Bud Bud's not afraid to go there. But I also I also know that this guy knows what he's doing. I thought it was interesting and kind of want to get your opinion. Chris Middleton had said to TMJ courtside that, you know, the Bucs aren't really going to show much in the game against Boston. He didn't mention Philly, but I would assume it's the same. Does that like change your expectations for this, these games? Are you okay with that? Like, is there anything of that where you're like, Oh, that's kind of a red flag or do you, do you kind of buy, buy buy into it? I know I've said this to you that, I would not be surprised if if these games were treated as preseason football games where yeah. it's like we do not want to show anything we we'll keep it keep it vanilla we'll we'll rest our stars you know um it'd be really fucking sickening but just be ready for it um I I don't think they're going to I think they they're so close to getting that one seed I mean Philly might you, if you get up to four games at Boston, so they would be four games with how many left to play if they beat if they beat the Celtics tonight. They'd be up four with like what the Bucks would have. I think five games left. Five games left. Yeah, they'd be pretty much. Would so be basically know, locked up. Basically locked up, right? And would need the Cel- and the Celtics would need to win out for it to even have a, maybe a chance. And they have to play Philly again. Um, I think next week. So. Yeah, it's a question of do you as, have that? As unfortunate as, or as much as I enjoyed the Celtics losing in Washington on Tuesday night, I also couldn't help but think like, you know, that puts that much more cushion between us. Like, are they gonna are they gonna think about you know resting or 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 maybe you know taking their foot off the gas a little bit? But whereas I think if Boston would have would have took care of business against Washington. Then you're, then it's you know like a two game lead and it's really 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 big game, um, but now it's like at three, you could almost argue that it's not as big, um, but I just hope that, you know, God forbid, everybody everybody plays right. Well, they've already they've already had Grant uh, Robert Williams and Grant Williams are both questionable tomorrow. Uh, Robert Williams with knee injury management and Grant Williams with an illness. So trying to hide Robert Williams, like we don't know Robert Williams mm-hmm. exists. Um, it's so fucking stupid. Like we have seven seven games of tape, man. Like we know what yeah. Rob Williams can do against the Bucs. Like shut up. Yeah, and that's, that's an example of, you know, okay, we'll keep that ace in the hole if you're Boston. You know, we know that Rob Williams and his room protection and his kind of off-ball defense – is an advantage, you know, or uh, something you can go to. And because that's, you know, I've said before, that's that's what makes the Bucks defense so special is, and I think a lot of teams are doing this too, is you have the big kind of monolith at center and then you try to have like a long, taller, athletic, like Memphis has this too, where you have Steven Adams and you have Jaron Jackson Jr., where it's a, just a, a kind of a, sh- a guy who can rove around and block shots. And, and you know, we're blessed to have Giannis who can kind of guard one through five and, and float around and is, you know, no one's more athletic than him. So right uh, it, that's that's the thing. But that, for Boston, yeah, that's the race in the whole. I don't know if – I don't know what it would be for the Bucs other than like, all right, we'll just sit Middleton again. And, you yeah. know, but I got to see Chris kill the Celtics again. One oh, more yeah. time before the playoffs to feel to feel better about that. And I, I did see here as well that the Bucks magic number after the win against Indiana is four. 
for the one okay. seed. But if they win, it goes down to one. If they, well, if they beat Boston, because it's a, oh, obviously a win for the Bucs, a loss, for, and then they have a tiebreaker. Yeah. And I, I think that, I think then you're, yeah, all of a sudden, then it's like, well, do we just go out and kick Philly's ass and get the, and get it? And then, you know, that's the discussion. They do have Chicago on Wednesday. We'll see if that one matters. Does Chicago worry you at all from a eight seed perspective? No, not at all. I, yeah. That would be, I mean, no offense to friend of the pod, Mikey, but it is a listen. That's, fine. that's a, <laughs> that's about as, that's about as close to a dream matchup as, as I could have. Yeah. We can, we can maybe get into that next week when we have maybe a clear picture and we know, know what's happening. Maybe that's a good topic for us next week. We'll save that. Uh, but yeah, anything else, anything else on the box before we, uh, we move to Gutekust and uh, LaFleur to wrap us up? Probably should at least mention Drew Holiday's performance against yeah. the Pacers. Yeah, good point. Uh, um, 50, 51 finished with? Yeah, 51 on 20 of 30. Man. Three for six from three, eight of 10 from the line, eight assists. Giannis had a triple double, 38, 17, and 12. If you and, uh, if you read one more one more box score, I'm gonna start calling it Billy Mike. I'm just kidding. That's fine. That's fair. No, 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 no. Fuck with you. Fuck with you. I had, I had to. And, and and not to bring some realism. I mean, this game was a fucking track meet. And... Oh yeah, 149. I mean, yeah, 149 points for the Bucks. They gave up. Drew had like Drew had 42 with like three minutes left in the third yeah. quarter. Yeah, I was like, is he gonna have 60? Like yeah. it. It that crossed it was... my mind too. It was on the it was on the table. I mean, just another another example, another iteration of the year Drew Holiday's had, the career year that he has had. I mean, I think he's made a real case for what he does defensively and what he does on the offensive end and what he did to kind of hold the Bucks together when Giannis was hurt, when Chris was hurt. He should probably be third team all NBA. I, I think there's a real case there. I, I don't I don't think I'd be a biased fan. Do you to say he should? He's not one of the best. No, I mean I think twelve. I think, point, you know, eighteen point guards in, or was it six? I butchered that. Six point guards or six guards in the NBA. Top six guards in the NBA. Um, I guess you'd have to see what happens with like what the voters do with Damian Lillard. Uh, yeah, and staff- he's been shut down, and Portland's been awful, and. Curry, yeah, Curry's tough. He missed a lot. Curry's of the right, yeah, Curry's right at like that. You know, Bill Simmons uses that like fifty-five game uh, limit, which I think is a good one. Um, and yeah, I, I think Drew deserves credit for just the way that he kept playing this year. And there's so much of the Bucks aren't the one seed without Drew Holiday. Like, I mean, you could say about Brook Lopez too. I think you obviously could say about Giannis Antetokounmpo, but like the the Drew Holiday season has been – I don't think it's underrated because I think the fans here know, but maybe a little bit nationally. It's Drew's, – Drew's defense got the respect after the 2021 championship. I think this year it's going to surprise people how, how efficient he is at offense. Yeah, he's played 62 games this year. I would imagine he'll finish probably around 66. And he was an all-star this year. I, I mean, what what is he up to here points wise? Eighteen point nine. I mean, that's that's a that's basically almost a career high um, for points. He had twenty one back in eighteen nineteen per game. But yeah, I mean, the Bucks could have also maybe three guys in the on the all defensive first team all defense. Yeah, that'd maybe. be crazy. That would be that would be absolutely nuts. Um, and it really seems like, yeah, Dame Lillard might stand in his way for Drew, uh, Shy, Shy Gildas Alexander, De'Aaron Fox. Although I would put De'Aaron Fox uh, as SGA's probably getting first team. Yeah, well, maybe. Uh, Garland, also another one that you could probably make a case for. Not at the first team level, but at the at the lower level. So, yeah, I I don't know. It'll be very interesting to see if that. But yeah, it's going to the defense. Yeah, they they deserve it. I think, think you know the the defense that Giannis has played, the defense Brook has played, and the defense Drew Holiday has played has been all incredible. And they've they've been so good at that side of the ball, really from the jump. When they when they held Philly to ninety eight points in the first game of the season, they really haven't stopped from there. 
Right. Yeah, I'm just looking at the guards as well. Um, he should get it. Honestly, he he should get one of the. He should probably get third team All NBA. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's not unreasonable in my opinion. So we'll we'll just have to see if that if that happens. And it's gonna be should be a fun weekend. I even though the games might be a little vanilla, if we could just beat Boston and say, all right, one seed's pr- practically ours. Like that's great. I kind of want to beat Philadelphia after that fluke shit that happened. It on on the was that about a month ago, and but if they don't win that game, I'm not gonna be like, oh, Philly owns Milwaukee. I I think that'll be the narrative that comes out of it, but I think that's just a casual national media first take opinion, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, so Agreed. we'll uh we'll have to see. Uh, Sixers look like they are gonna get it done against Dallas here, so they're they should. I'm sure they have a couple games before they. Before they play the the Bucks on Sunday, moving on to wrapping up with Green Bay and the Packers, there was the owners' meetings this week. I talked on my podcast on Tuesday about Brian Gutekunst and how he's trying to take back the narrative. Balfour mm-hmm. spoke, and it was kind of what I predicted. I said I bet Balfour is going to come in, be a little more of the good cop, um, and he was. Felt like yeah, he, yeah. he he did that, and I. After commentary from both Gutekunst and and Lafleur, you feel like anything has changed in terms of the Rogers dynamic, in terms of the Love dynamic, in terms of how you feel about next season, or do you kind of feel like we're still we're still at status quo uh, in, in terms of the next year for the Green Bay Packers? I mean, it's I think in terms of what it looks like next year, I don't think much has changed because of those comments, but it definitely. Got a lot more interesting. Uh, it got a lot, a lot nastier with yep. with Gutekunst kind of finally saying something and and trying to trying to provide his side of the story. Um, and for some people, that has further divided uh, their their. Uh, I, it, I mean, it's probably further divided the fan base, and you know yeah. because it seems like even in sports now it's because of the polarizing nature of our society, it's crept into like the NBA MVP race and Aaron Rodgers is extremely is an extreme lightning rod now. And uh, then amongst Packer fans, it's like, are you with the franchise or are you with Rodgers? And it's just, it's become a, you know, we're sick of it, but the national media loves this shit. And, yep. um, you know, it's just weird. It's like, I wonder what the Favre situation would have been like if there was Twitter and this like 24 seven news cycle of, uh, and, and all these news breakers and all these people oh, saying man. all this shit. Oh, like, man. I mean, you have the Zach Gelb thing. I don't know if you know, saw that. Yeah, I did. That you know, he said he heard that you know again, it, it's it's all it's all conjecture, but he heard that you know Rogers left Matt Lafleur at you know kind of high and dry at a couple game plan meetings throughout the season. When we all know he's all Aaron has ever wanted is is more of a voice, and then you know he has the opportunity and he goes to coach. I mean, that's that's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, it's just, it, it seems like it's just, it's all, you know, there's been a partial resolution with, with Rogers coming out and saying he would wants to play for the Jets and, but nothing's done yet. And now it's just kind of, I don't know, it, all these reports are flying. I just, I couldn't help but think like, man, what the hell would people be saying about Brett Favre? Yeah. If, you know, what, what stupid reports would be, and not, they're not stupid, but I'm just saying like, what? It just would well, be a fucking nonstop too. Well, Favre, I mean, remember, Favre retired. Favre, Favre was done playing True. football. He retired on March the 4th, 20, 2008. That's true. And then, so there would have been a lot of, is Rodgers ready? Is Rodgers the guy? There would have been a lot of that dialogue all season and then in the off season. And then you would you got to July, and then all of a sudden Favre wants to come back, and then it would have been nonstop. There would have been a media blitz. He mm-hmm. wouldn't have done an interview with Brett Van Susser. Remember, Favre did his interview, which was a complete fucking – well, it was similar to McAfee. 
like Greta Van Susteren set him up and she was an Appleton native. She had a Fox News program at the time. Fox News was not the polarizing thing that it is today. Um, and which is wild to think that Farm did that on Fox News of all places. Because nowadays it would be, yeah, a Pat McAfee or you jump on a podcast and you talk about it, you know, with, you know, a insider or a reporter and you get sort of your opinions down and say what, what it's all about. I mean, it's just, it is, you're right in a sense that it is silly season. Like you had Mark Tauscher this week who I, he does a great job. Like, don't get me wrong, but to say that Jordy Nelson was the linchpin here is just fucking awful take. Like it just is. It's like Jordy was washed. All right. Like, they needed to get Devontae Adams the ball. They saw Devontae Adams as a superstar in the making. And they were right. Devontae Adams was right. the best receiver in football. Devontae Adams was succeeding even when Rodgers was hurt. Jordy Nelson was a shadow. Aaron Rodgers made Jordy Nelson. Like, I, I like Jordy Nelson, but, like, let's just tone down our Caucasian white receiver love for one fucking minute here. <laughs> And, yeah, but I mean, you got to think about like I'm. I don't doubt for a minute that, that pissed Rogers off. Oh yeah, they handled it poorly, and Brian Gutekunst was a new GM at the time, and he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. And could he have handled it better? Could he have explained to Rogers, "Here's why we need to do this"? But if Rogers is as temperamental as I think that everything's leading on, it's like, did you not want to piss this guy off that you were walking on eggshells? Because if Brian was walking on eggshells the entire time and he didn't respect Brian, Brian Gutekunst, then you had to then you had to find somebody else. It either had to be a new voice, it had to be somebody that Rogers trusted. If you felt like Rogers was your guy, but you didn't want him to dictate the franchise, yet he still did. So to me, that's like a failure of Mark Murphy and a failure of of the Packers that they did find somebody that Aaron Rodgers at least jived with a little bit. Like I put that on the Packers. I mean, I mean, there's other stuff though that I obviously put on the or on on Rodgers and and things like that. So I'm not not trying to excuse him here. Yeah, completely. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, Gutekunst has not definitely not. Uh, I guess he hasn't been scared to do what he wants uh, for sure, which you kind of respect. Um, but at the same time, star players do get star treatment. And uh, I'm not saying Russell to the extent of Russell Wilson, but, right. um, you know, clearly Rodgers had to had to come through with this, I guess, tidal wave of, of, of narrative control. And, you know, it just – it all goes back to draft day of 2021, right? Right. This the last two years now of this just shitstorm. And yeah. We'll yeah, see, see what we'll see we'll see what the return is for, for Rogers. And uh sounds like they're it's kinda they're probably hung up on the on getting a second or a first, right? right. From the Jets. Florio the want a first and Florio reported Florio reported that they're out on the idea of a first this year. I think it's really that the Packers want 20 <laughs> pardon me sorry I'm off and I apologize guys uh 2024 the 2024 first I think is exactly what they want and I don't think the Jets want to give it up because they don't know if Rodgers is going to be here and the Packers are kind of like we don't care he's your mercenary we want you if you're going to be so good why don't you just give us your first round pick right I think and that's that's the attitude the Green Bay Packers are having right now and the other thing is I'm guessing that you know, Robert Sala and Joe Douglas are, I mean, in a shit or get off the pot type of year. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. So what, the, who, what the hell do they care? Right. Yeah. And I, I think, I think there is a lot of that as well. And, and we'll just see. I think that, I think there will be a deal done before the draft. I'd be surprised if there wasn't. I'd be slightly critical of Gutekus to not get more assets. And you think what the Packers have is pretty solid for this draft, but we'll just, we'll sort of have to see, uh, before we wrap up, uh, what, what do you got for final four national champion? Ooh, wow. Um, if you don't have an answer, you can text me. I'll tell you, I'll tell you. UConn looks far. really fucking good, yes. but the way this tournament has gone, <laughs> I mean, it's, 
it's hard. Unfortunately, Miami and UConn are playing in the Final Four. Yeah, that stinks. That would that that matchup in the championship game would kind of make up for. Like I I guess I could have kind of out of all the teams left, I could see those two teams winning the national championship. Um, right. I Florida Atlantic. Well, Florida Atlantic is probably done. Every every uh, time I want to be like, okay, this team's really good at defending the three. Florida Atlantic has that's all they do, and they somehow find a way. But San Diego State, the thing they do, the reason they beat Alabama. The reason they beat Creighton is they defend the three really fucking well. And they're great perimeter defenders. And I just feel like at some point that's gonna that that train's gonna run off the tracks for for Florida Atlantic. Maybe it won't. Yeah. I mean, Conference USA sneakily maybe the best conference in basketball with Florida Atlantic in the final four. UAB and North Texas are playing for the NIT final tonight. I think all three are going to different conferences next year, which is hilarious. Um, so, yeah, I heard that uh, Conference USA is going to keep all of Florida Atlantic's, like, all the money they're making from this. Oh, man, that's that's so garbage. Yeah, that's that, that part, is of the, so far, part of the yeah, I mean, con- that makes sense, contract though. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's unfortunate. I, I would probably say UConn and San Diego State and – Miami's good too, though. Yeah, uh, I I think I think UConn San Diego State makes a lot of sense. I I'm gonna do. I will say this is a prelude to a segment I'm gonna have tomorrow. I'm gonna talk a lot about Marquette the portal, but also talk about should Marquette fans cheer for UConn uh, this weekend. So I will. Uh, I'll tease that. I I don't know. I I I'll, I'll probably debate myself, which I do sometimes when I talk by myself. I just. I just argue, argue in circles. So, uh, live from, live from the uh, the living room again. Since my wife's my wife's out of, out of the office again, so I could tape in the living room. I'd have a few cocktails before I tape. Uh, should be should be a good Friday show. Yes, sir. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll be back next week. We'll have a little more clarity on what the Bucks one seed looks like. We'll have a few Brewer games under our belts to overreact to, and who knows what else? Uh, maybe something else comes through the wire. Maybe there are some Packer news. Maybe there isn't, uh, but we'll uh, we'll be ready. Maybe get Mitch's Masters pick, um, since you know he is a golf expert. <laughs> um, but Tiger Woods. There you go. All right, book it. We already have it. <laughs> All right, take care of yourselves. Have a good one. We'll uh, see you. Sorry for the coughs. I apologize. Hopefully, I'll actually sound like a human uh, for like a- after week four. Hopefully, hopefully. See ya. Peace.